Today's reading is Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, to chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. This is God's word. Evening, everyone. My name's Scott. I'm the student minister here. All right, why don't I pray um, as, we, um, as we look at these words together. Heavenly Father, we praise you so much that you speak to us, not only of, uh, of the big, huge um, truths in our lives, but, but of, of truths that work themselves out in the details and the orderingness of our everyday relationships. And we pray that as we look at these verses uh, this evening, that you would speak to us of what it means to be in Christ, that we would live for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you want to see what someone is really like, um, you see them in your home, in their home, uh, don't you? Um, I think that is true in normal times. Uh, I guess it's especially true at the minute when we're spending quite a lot of time uh, in our homes, uh, living, working. And if being a Christian makes a difference anywhere, uh, it should make a difference there, shouldn't it? And we've been looking at Colossians these past weeks, and we've seen, haven't we, that to be a Christian is to have new life in Christ. That means that you died with him, that you have been raised with him. And it means that your life is hidden with Christ And it gives you an assurance that when Christ returns in glory, you will appear with him in glory. And those are astonishing realities that shape every single part of our lives. And that's why Paul has argued so far um, that we should put to death what belongs to the sinful nature. 
and instead clothe ourselves with compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, and patience. And last week, uh, we thought a bit about what that meant for our relationships with other Christians. Um, They were to be marked by love as we teach and admonish one another. And uh, we, we ended last week on verse 17, which says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's a great verse, isn't it? It's a, that's the sort of verse you would have uh, once upon a time had on a Bible verse calendar. Um, I don't think, um, they probably do exist anymore, but none of you will have them. You're all too cool. Um, you, you, it's the kind of thing you would post on Instagram or, I don't know, make a TikTok video about. Um, you can tell me afterwards. Um, it is, isn't it, the grand sweep of what new life in Christ looks like. That is that as a Christian, everything I do now, I do for the glory of Jesus. Every moment I live now, I live through the power of his death and resurrection working in me. That's huge. But, but how do I do that? How do you do that day to day in the very ordinariness of our normal relationships, of those we live with, uh, of those we work with? Well, that's what we get this week. That is what Paul gives us here. He, he spells out what, it, what new life in Christ looks like in three pairs of, of fundamental relationships. Uh, we get husbands and wives, children and fathers, and workers and bosses. Um, in all three relationships, we are called to imitate Christ uh, as we love and serve one another. Uh, and they are um, a beautiful snapshot of what this new life in Christ looks like in the lived reality of our everyday. Now look, as, as, you, as we had um, the verses read, there were probably two things, um, I think particularly that we find culturally just very hard uh, to hear in these verses. We, we, we have firstly the command for wives to submit to their husbands, and secondly, the command for slaves to obey their masters. And we will, both, we will come to both of them uh, in, in turn. But we need to set right at the beginning that these are not just arbitrary rules. And these are a working out of what it means to be in Christ. And, and the standard each time for each of these relationships is the Lord Jesus. And do you see that again and again in these uh, few verses, how many times it is, it's fitting in the Lord. For this pleases the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Seven, eight times, I think, in these, uh, from 17 to um, 4, verse 1, we get, it is in relation to the Lord And so Jesus is the one who has already done all the things that we are called to do here. He shows us how to live uh, like this, and he gives us the strength uh, to do it. And these verses, what God calls us to do here, I don't think it's hard to understand. It's actually fairly straightforward, but it is hard to live out. Uh, It is hard to do uh, in reality. And so we'll be looking at at each of these three pairs. We won't have much time uh, on each one. Um, so do ask questions uh, in the Q&A afterwards. But we'll spend most of our time, we'll try to spend most of our time thinking about what it actually looks like uh, to live this out uh, in our lives. So let's get stuck in. Uh, firstly then, wives and husbands. Verses 18 and 19. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Bible calls wives to submit themselves to their husbands, um, to willingly, uh, gladly um, allow them to lead, allow him to lead in your marriage 
and to help him to do that by supporting and encouraging him. That, that may seem strange to us, but it's always to be held um, together with the command that comes straight after the husbands. Love your wives. Um, in the parallel passage uh, to this one in Ephesians 5, um, we're told there that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves his church. That is in self-giving and in dying for her. And the husband here is called not to be harsh with his wife. There's lots of things uh, we could and should say about that. They are simple commands, but hard to live out. Um, but here's, here's the first elephant in the room. Um, is this, is calling on wives to submit to their husbands um, demeaning? Uh, well, it, I, I want to suggest it's not demeaning because the biblical understanding of submission is never inferiority. Um, so in calling wives to submit to their husbands, the Bible is not saying that they're inferior to their husbands. Why? Why can we say that? Well, because we're told that Christ, um, who is equal with the Father, equally uh, divine, equally glorious, equally God, submits to his Father. And um, submits in a way that doesn't make him less God, um, but his willing submission to his Father is actually his glory. Uh, and so when it comes to things like this, both the loving leadership of a husband and the submission of the wife reflect Christ. And they do it in different ways, um, but in ways that are equally glorious. And so if you want to know what it looks like to submit and to love, well, then you need to look at how Christ does it. How does Jesus do it? And so um, this verse can never be permission for abuse. Um, it is, in fact, the opposite, isn't it? Um, do you know that the, the husband is never called to demand or enforce submission? And any husband who does or has used that command in that way is, is just twisting um, this passage to suit their own ends. And the problem in that case it is, not, it is not with what the Bible says, it is with the husband. Husbands here are called to love their wives. And note as well uh, that it's not submission at any cost. It's sub submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And so if the husband is not leading, uh, you cannot submit. And so abuse is not leading, it is, it is harming and it is sin. And you are not called to submit to that. And think of it this way. Um, it is not good for your husband to keep on sinning uh, in that way. And so the loving thing to do uh, for yourself and for him uh, may well be, uh, uh, well, will be uh, to seek out help. Um, what would submission and love actually look like um, in, in a marriage? Um, uh, let's think of it this way. Imagine, um, imagine that a, a couple decide to play a game. Uh, they're not getting out much in lockdown, so um, anything goes uh, to pass the time. And the game is, which Bible command am I seeking to obey this week? Um, it's, it's pretty catchy. I've got to work on the title a little bit. But which Bible command am I seeking to obey this week? Um, it goes like this. You don't tell your spouse uh, which one uh, you're working on. But over a course of a week, uh, you try and uh, work really hard on this one uh, Bible command. And at the end of the week, uh, you have to get your spouse to guess uh, which one uh, you were trying uh, uh, to do. 
a bit silly, but run with it. It's helpful. Um, if you ask the wife what she'd experienced over that week, um, what might she say? I don't know. There's, there's lots of things uh, you would hope she said. Maybe she would say things like this. Well, look, at, at the end of a long day, uh, when we were both tired from homeworking, um, well, he did the washing up um, so that I could catch up with a friend, even though he hates washing up. Or um, when we're deciding what to do for Christmas, well, he really listened uh, to my reasons uh, why I think we should stay in London uh, and not go travelling about. And he really seemed to put my interests before his own. Or on those days where I was hard to love, I was irritable, short-tempered, well, he, he, keep, he kept on loving me. And he loved me like Jesus loves me. And then flip it around. If you ask the husband what he had experienced over the course of that week, what, what, what might he say? Well, I might say something like this. Look, when I felt it was too early to make a decision about what we're doing at Christmas, well, my wife was content to wait a little bit longer, even though she wanted to decide sooner. I may, have, I may well have made a mistake in that and lots of other decisions, but, but I felt like she backed me up. And she allowed me to take responsibility and instead of grumbling, uh, was, was, was happy to give me more time to think it through. And when I felt like a lousy husband, when I've been aware of all the ways in which I haven't loved my wife the way I should, well, she hasn't reminded me of all the previous times uh, that I failed to love her well. No, she's encouraged me uh, to keep going. She's shown me something of Jesus in the way that she has submitted. And then imagine if if they didn't just do that for a week um, to pass the time, but actually live that out all the time. The husband loving and leading his wife and the wife submitting uh, willingly. But you may have lots of uh, questions still around that. If you're not sure about it, I would encourage you to look around uh, at married couples in the church. That there are no perfect marriages um, at CCM, but there are um, strong ones seeking to work out what it looks like for a husband to love his wife and a wife to submit to her husband. Ask them uh, how, how they do it. And so if you're a husband uh, listening in, what will your wife see that shows her you love her like Christ? I mean, here, here's where the challenge has been for me as I've thought about these verses and prepared. Um, does Sharon, my wife, does she get the best of, of me? Or does she just get what's left over of my emotional energy at the end of the, end of the day, which is not very much? Um, husbands, do you love your wives in the way that you speak about them to others? Do you love them in the way that you speak to them uh, at home and wives, if you're a wife, how would, you, how would your husband know you were submitting to him? Um, is that something you're actively seeking to do? Or are you trying to undermine him and prove him wrong? And look, lots of us aren't married. Uh, to those who are thinking about getting married or maybe one day hope to be married, well, for the men, make sure that you're prepared to love the woman you'll marry as Christ loved his church. And women, make sure that the man you will marry is someone who will love you like that.
and will make it easy for you uh, to submit. What does new life in Christ look like? Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. That's the first uh, set of relationships. The second set then is between children uh, and fathers. We'll be very brief on this one. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Children, Paul says, are to obey their parents. Now look, that, that will look different uh, when you're six and when you're 26. Um, uh, Matt, I think it was last year uh, on Deuteronomy 5 on the Ten Commandments, did a really helpful sermon on what it means to honour your parents uh, at different stages uh, in your life. If you want to think a bit more about that, uh, I would recommend uh, looking that up on our website. Let me leave you just one practical uh, way of thinking about this at the minute. And maybe over this lockdown, you've moved back home uh, with your parents. And I want to suggest that does change the dynamic of your relationship. And you can't just carry on as if uh, you're living in uh, your own flat, uh, just back in your old bedroom. If, if you know you struggled maybe last time uh, living at home with your parents, what could you do differently um, this time? What would it take for them to be glad that you were there? Children, obey uh, your parents. On the flip side of that then, fathers, do not embitter uh, your children. My only comment on this is, I, I never really understood why, why this was necessary. Why do you have to tell fathers not to, um, not to embitter their children? Um, and then I had children, and um, uh, they can be really annoying. Um, but as a father, I am called to encourage, not discourage them. And so I don't respond to their being annoying by being annoying myself. I don't meet their frustration with my own frustration. That is a challenge. And in these relationships, just as in the previous ones, our model is Jesus. And he is the one who always perfectly obeyed his father. And he is also the one who treats us with such abundant patience, who doesn't become embittered with us, even when we mess up again and again. And we don't do that. He keeps encouraging and spurring us on. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not embitter your children. Thirdly, then, that, that third set of relationships we get is slaves and masters or workers and their bosses from verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favouritism. Masters, Provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Okay, here, here's the second elephant in the room. Is the Bible uh, condoning slavery in what it says here? Um, let me suggest that it's not condoning slavery, but regulating it. And this is just the reality that many of the Christians at the time lived with. And um, what is it, over a third of the Roman Empire uh, were slaves uh, at this point? 
And so as Paul tries to help them to work out what does it mean to live as a Christian in this world, uh, he, he tells them what it means to, li- to live as a slave in a Christ-like way. And look, for us, um, the, the nearest equivalent, I guess, is, is employee um, and our bosses. Um, employees then are called to obey our bosses. And that is, unless they're telling us to do something illegal uh, or ungodly, we are to obey. And, and the way that's spelled out here is that we're to obey not just when they are looking, not just when their eyes are on us. That's a challenge, isn't it, for many of us um, as we work at home uh, more at the minute? Um, am I as diligent about my work at home as I would be if I was in the office? Um, do I put as much work into things that my boss will see? Um, in my case, things like this sermon. Do I put as much work in there as to the things that he will never see? I'm called to work hard in them both. And this passage gives us two reasons, uh, uh, I think, why we should work hard. Firstly, uh, that you will get an inheritance from the Lord. That is, even if your boss never notices the difference, um, the Lord will, and the Lord will reward that's the first reason to work hard. And the second is, is that it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever your, whatever your job, you are working for the Lord. And that's true whether you're, you're sweeping the streets of Mayfair or presenting a case at the high court. And you can do both of those things in a way that serves Jesus. And so your work, whatever it is, has value and dignity. It is a way for you, it is a big way for you to worship. And so if you, um, if you played our game, uh, if you can remember the title, what Bible command, which Bible command is it? Um, if you played that game with your boss, um, would they guess that your God commanded you to obey your boss? I don't know. Here's what I, I think you'd hope they'd say. Well, you know, he, he works really hard and he doesn't shirk from his responsibilities. Well, she works honestly and she doesn't try to spin everything that she's done to, to, look, to look good. Well, he, he seems to value his work without making it everything. Oh, her, her yes means yes and her no means no. Now, I know what you're thinking. Um, you're thinking that's easy for you to say. Your boss is Matt Fuller. He'd love that kind of game. Um, what, what if your boss isn't a Christian? Um, they, would never, um, uh, they would never commend you for being Christ-like. Well, maybe they wouldn't put it in those words, but I think they would notice the difference, wouldn't they? Um, and even if they don't, you are working for the Lord Jesus. Uh, you're working for his praise, not the praise of your boss. And like in all these relationships, um, the bosses have responsibilities uh, too. Uh, chapter four, verse one, masters provide your slaves with what is right and fair. And that is that a, a, a master can never be brutal and unjust. It is um, it's really interesting to notice the contrast between what the Bible says here and what the world said at the time. Um, pay attention, uh, we're about to get a quote from Aristotle. You don't get many Aristotle quotes in my sermons, but here we go, here it is. Here's what Aristotle wrote. With respect to justice between a master and a slave, there is no such thing as injustice 
in the absolute sense towards what is one's own. See that saying? The pervading view of the day was, if you're a master, you can do what you want with your slaves. There's no such thing as injustice. I see how different what the Bible says is. No masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair. Why? Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Which is not just that they have a master, you, and you have a master, uh, Jesus. No, it is that both you and them uh, have a Lord, a master in heaven. And he treats both of you justly. And so look, if if you have people who report to you at work, um, if you're a boss, what would it take for them to guess that this is what God commanded you to do? And would they say of you, well, she treats everyone the same. She doesn't show favoritism. And he, he wants what's best for the team, uh, not just for himself. She seems to actually really care how we're doing, and we're not just cogs in the machine. And again, as in all these relationships, Jesus is our model uh, for both, isn't he? And he is the one who came not to be served, but to serve and who washed his disciples' feet and told them to do likewise, and who did his job and did it well. Jesus, who is Lord of all, and yet uses his lordship to serve us. As we close then, everything we're commanded to do here, they are things that Jesus does perfectly. And he submits and obeys in a way that does not diminish him, but is actually for his glory. And he loves in a way that is, that is self-giving, not self-serving, as he lays down his life. And he serves willingly and is the Lord of all justice. And so you see what a privilege it is to become more like him as you love and serve the people sitting next to you as you watch this evening. What a privilege it is to become more like him at 8.30 uh, on a bleak uh, November morning as you log on to yet another Zoom call. Just imagine what our homes, what our workplaces would be like uh, if we were more like Christ in the very orderliness of the way husbands and wives relate, the way children and their parents relate, in the way that a boss and employees relate to one another. Let's pray for God's help as we seek to do that. Heavenly Father, these these words are are simple and yet um, hard. And so we pray that you would give us, and by your spirit, strength uh, to do these things. Our Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus, who is always our example and our model of, of what life lived to the full looks like. Father, please help us to obey, to submit, to love in a way that reflects Christ, that he might be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.